Welcome to Fearless in Devotion, a brand new podcast all about Wrexham AFC. Here they come, our mighty champions, raise your voices to the anthem, marching light, our mighty army, Wrexham is the name. Lots to discuss this week, six points for the town, just as we predicted in episode one. There'll be another clip from the archives and we'll be picking our dream Wrexham right back in the second instalment of The Mighty Heroes. Yes, indeed. Are the Reds rising to promotion? Croix on all. Welcome back to Fearless in Devotion with me, Priest Williams, Tim Edwards, Andy Gilpin and Liam Randall. How are we, lads? Too bad. Well, good. Very good, thank you. Yeah, six points. Uh, six from six, seven from nine. Can't argue with that. We're recording this straight after the Weymouth game. What do we make of it? Well, as I said uh, back into last week, six points. See, after six points and we got them. I am... I'm a little worried because I'm actually enjoying watching Wrexham play and that hasn't happened for the last, well, I'd say probably the last couple of years. But what they've done is they've made themselves very solid at the back. They're workmanlike up front. And today they rode, you know, they, they were solid in the first half and really came on in the second half, especially especially when they made three substitutions. Yep, that's right. Dean Keats made three substitutions of half an hour <laughs> to go. I nearly fell off my revolving chair. But it changed the game, I, I think. We scored straight after. There was a lot more energy there. We looked like we wore Weymouth down a little bit. And I'm thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly happy with that. Um, I thought it was really good. I've been used to Wrexham sort of ruining my mood on a Saturday afternoon for quite some time. But yeah, can't argue with that win at all. Uh, amazed that Keats made three substitutions like Andy. Um, and just really pleased for Jordan Ponticelli more than anything, although his face didn't really say it. I think people were really chuffed for him to, to get that goal. Yeah. Yeah, he's earned that, hasn't he? He's had a... He's had a... A really barren run, and obviously he's been out with the team recently since uh, since Angus has come in. But uh, he looked like he really needed that goal. Yeah, you could see his confident lift um, a bit afterwards. He had that absolutely amazing touch uh, down on the right hand side, so you can just tell how it lifts a player's mood. Really, it was just um, it was um, solid, wasn't it? Like I said, it was similar to to Barnett. Solid, not spectacular. That said, as soon as we got that second one, they were just pinging the ball all over the place quite nicely. Loads of confidence. Sort of coursing through the team, it was nice. It was nice to watch, wasn't it? Like like Andy said, you know, you're kind of scared to enjoy it just in case they suddenly shift two goals later on. But that that never looked like it was going to happen today. So um, very happy, gaining momentum, looking hard to beat. All of a sudden, it seems that that defeat, the older shot, maybe a lot of um, sort of harsh truths were spoken in the dressing room after because we don't seem to look back. Um, and you know, you can say a bit about Barnet and Weymouth struggling, but you know, with with the, the sort of no threat of relegation anymore, they've got less to lose. So you know, we've we've gone about it in a in a professional way, and we're fourth on merit. Yeah, Wrexham looking very good on the pitch. Uh, long way it continue, but a, a big week off the pitch as well with the announcement of the new CEO, Fleur Robinson, um, will be taking over in June after she's given a notice in. Uh, what was your first reaction? My actual first reaction was I had to go and look her up. I'll be honest, I hadn't heard of her before, but 
once I did do a bit of research, I thought this is a good appointment. The sort of thing I always do is I always try and go on sort of their message board or underneath the announcement on their Twitter and see see what their fans are saying. And it was universally pop positive it was people saying she's going to be a big loss to us and well done Rex you've got a good appointment there so with that in mind and from what I know from doing a bit of research I'm really happy with this one well speak for yourself speak for yourself as well Andy because I followed her career closely from the start so I knew she was a <laughs> well a yes. great, a great addition I mean sure. you, you did write Fleur the the, the biography uh, which all available <laughs> in all good bookshops yeah hopefully we'll get her, get her on the podcast soon I think it just speaks to the professionalism that you see throughout the club now, though. I mean, I know it's only small touches here and there, but, you know, we've got the digital advertising boards that you could see were, well, they weren't in place today, which I was disappointed about, but uh, ready to go in. And um, when I think it was when I looked up who'd actually done the recruitment as well. The recruitment firm that uh, brought her in was a pretty decent one. And when you think of some of the names that are involved in the club now, um, with no disrespect to the you know supporters trust who did a really solid job, but just that comparison now, you can really feel things starting to come together off the pitch. Yeah, like like Andy and, and the others have, have mentioned, very happy with it. Everybody from from Burton seems to be very very sad to see her leave. They've got nothing but positive things to say about her, which is testament to to her as a person and as a professional overseeing. Their, their complete transformation from you know a non-league team to a championship side. You know they're they're, they're slugging it out with with what local rivals at Derby County in the same division. Crazy, but you, you have to say kudos to to the club for for, for picking her. Um, I imagine there was a strong um, field of contenders for the post. So it seems that they've picked very wisely. Time will tell. But yeah, um, I'm I'm really really happy with it. Um, looks to be very, very um, astute signing. And I suppose, in essence, we've poached a uh, sort of director from two divisions above. If we can replicate that uh, on the pitch, that would be pretty, pretty dandy. But I suppose it shows what we what we can do and the, the allure that the club has now. Yeah, it's nice to be in that position for once, isn't it? And to, to finally be in a position where you know the, the the sort of the vultures aren't circling our club for our best players and so on and so forth. We can now go to another club and go, right, we want your commercial director as our CEO. Um, well, you know, uh, and we have. And that person wants to come in after a 25-year association with one club. You know, that that's a big wrench emotionally for her. So for her to come here tells you all you need to know about the building blocks that, that we're putting into place. And like you said, the allure of the club, not just the Hollywood, Hollywood takeover, but we're, we're going about our business in a very clever and very magnifying way, really. It's just, it's just everything, you know, like Andy said before, we're, in, we're, we're enjoying a bit of on the pitch, but away from the pitch. We're enjoying it week by week because they really haven't, haven't put a foot wrong so far. Can I pull you up on your use of the word dandy? And can I just say it's not 1932? I never used the word dandy. No, I I did. There's nothing wrong with dandy. It's uh, you know just tried to use other other words to to describe how wonderful things are at the club at the moment. I don't think well, wrong well, with that. they are they are dandy, Reese. I, I I concur. There you go. Shocks away with with uh, with <laughs> with everything fine and dandy on and off the pitch. It's time for our first feature 
of uh, the podcast, our first regular feature. Listeners from last week will remember that all of our features are inspired by the greatest football anthem of all time. Wrexham is the name. And it's time now uh, for Fearless in Devotion, where we'll be discussing our most fearless in devotion moments following the town. In Fearless in Devotion, we'll be discussing any experiences we've had that sort of show our passion for the club. It's not always fun following Wrexham, is it? Especially the last sort of decade or so. Uh, and last week we heard about Andy's 15-hour round trip to um, 15-hour trip to Braintree, which ended with the game being postponed just an hour before kickoff. Um, this week is Liam's turn. Liam, what have you got for us? Well, I think we could easily rename this uh, What's Your Worst Journey to a Wrexham Game? Because... Mine follows along a slightly similar theme, uh, but I'm going to whack a PG-13 rating on this because it does contain bodily fluids. Uh, the game I'm on about was pretty decent uh, pretty decent on the pitch, but it was the Brentford away game, FA Cup, in the season where we got the 98 points. Uh, started as a relatively standard away day morning, stood on Mould Road in the pouring rain at 8 o'clock, much earlier than I'd like because I don't usually get up that early on a Saturday morning. Um, but as I got on the coach, things seemed all right. Had a quick look around, didn't see any faces where I thought oh, I got on the wrong coach here. Um, it was quite quite a nice journey, winding through the Shropshire. I, I was going to say hills then, but I don't think they have hills in Shropshire. Um, but anyway, we got uh, got so far about an hour in when all of a sudden there's a bit of a hullabaloo, if I can use another old-fashioned term, or a midway back in the coach. Um, wondered what's going on there then. Um, this lad says that his mate... I think he was a teenage lad, had a few strongbows, and there was some rather awful groaning noise coming from the toilets. Um, it was all a bit of a laugh at first, all having a bit of a joke and a giggle. Um, that was until the smell sort of started to slowly, <laughs> slowly drift down the coach. I think the technical term for what happened to him was spewing out of both ends. Um, and as the smell got down the coach, there was a Mexican wave of people just loud oh, and uh, scarf going over the over the face. And it lasted for pretty much the whole journey in terms of the smell lingering on the coach. And um, as were most embarrassing stories, news had spread to other coaches. And by the time we're actually exiting the coach in Brentford, Everyone's just pointing and laughing at our coach because we all legged it off, holding our noses, and yeah. <laughs> as I said, it's pretty. It's a pretty long journey as well, isn't it? I want to say it was about four hours, something like that. Um, bit of an exotic destination, West London, really. Um, not somewhere that you'd pick for your average Saturday day, day out, and sort of getting off, taking in the surroundings. It was a bit like that, sort of just trying to figure out where's where. And we'd heard about, you know, you've got the four pubs on each corner of the ground we picked uh picked an interesting one it had a had a bit of astroturf in the beer garden don't know if that was to make it feel you know a bit posh um but as we sat there having our having our beers um a, a parrot flew overhead um now to me that i was just completely bewildered by that but i've since done some research and i'm not sure if andy can verify for me but apparently this is a genuine thing that happens in london I can indeed verify that. There is a park near me which is full of parakeets. Now, I hate, I don't really want to bring up parakeets because I know Tim Edwards used to have a beloved parakeet that is now dead. So this is this is painful memories for Tim. But 
but but it's not a parakeet or whatever. Are you saying that right? Parakeet? I thought it was parakeet. Anyway, I had a parrot lut, which ends in L-E-T. It's a miniature parrot, so get your facts straight. It, but it is dead. It's definitely dead. It's in a pot in my back okay. garden. Okay. Well, R.I.P. Little, uh, sorry, what was his name? Oz, named after Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, R.I.P. Little Oz. Uh, but yeah, as, as Liam has quite quite rightly said, there are parakeets in London because it is a lot warmer. It's like the Mediterranean down here. <laughs> I actually so did. I've heard. It, it wasn't on that day, though, in Brentford, as from what I remember. It, the only thing that warmed me up in that day was that crowd. I was in the bottom bit with my mate Scottish Pete, who got a mention last week. And it's like like Scottish Pete's the, an official fifth member of this podcast, but he's only <laughs> ever been to two Wrexham matches. And we've happened to mention both of them in you successive need, You weeks. need to get him on. I don't believe he exists. Uh, again, he's like Jocelyn Maybe Maybe he's just a myth. I don't Maybe. think he's from Scotland. I think, yeah. Yeah, that, that's why I'm trying to. Uh, I'm putting you off the scent there because that, he's actually he's actually from Mould. <laughs> but anyway, Scottish Pete, who does exist, points to this as probably the best atmosphere he's ever witnessed at a football match because it, it was, was at, unbelievable. Yeah, it was great. I don't, you, you, I don't know if you're in the same bit as us, Reese, but we're in the bottom bit, which is the standing bit. Before um, under the under the far stand, so there were seats above, and then there was a terrace, and it was very closed in because you had you had like a two tier to it, so all the noise just echoed. And when wow. that Jamie Tolley goal went in, my God, it was absolute pandemonium! And what a goal that was as well. We were oh, looking it at it when it left his foot and thinking, my God, this is going to nestle right in the top corner. Fantastic goal from Tolley. Well, I, I went with um, three other mates from uni. I it, it was uh, I just started. It was my first year, and we um, my mate was a Brentford fan, so he he dragged one a, a mate to go in the Brentford end, and me and my mate went to um, in the, we were in the terrace as well. I don't remember there being a seated bit, but we were definitely in the terrace, and um, the atmosphere was unbelievable. My my friend still says that that's the best goal he's seen live. The Jamie to- the Jamie Tolley goal. It was an absolute humdinger, and. Um, our friends in the, in the Brentford end said that said that it looked like the, the sort of terrace was going to sort of fall in because we all it was absolute limbs in our end because it was just an unbelievable goal. Yeah, great. I, was, great I was actually in the seated bit um, up above because I've got this dreadful habit of when we go to away games and there's a choice of places to go. I always go in the more boring bit by accident. Uh, it happened to me at Bury away the season we got promoted. And it happened that year. I still enjoyed it, but I could literally feel the underneath those seats was bouncing after that goal and that was probably the last big sort of cup win we've had wasn't it cup win yes we've had a few a few good games with the likes of brighton which i think we drew later and even probably the newport game but Mm. we've not actually managed to claim a win so yeah absolutely so just got the heart back that maybe we can bring these times back to the race course now were you at the game tim do you remember it I do. I kind of. I, I fear that I was on the same bus that Liam's referring to because I do remember one lad um, who distinctly um, had probably got a pickled liver by the end of that trip. Um, he was in a particularly bad way. Um, any other normal environment, I think he probably would have got well looked after. But you know, we were all buzzing from the match, so you know, you kind of uh, lie in your own bed, I guess. So <laughs> um, I felt a bit sorry for him, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I was on the same bus. But yeah, great trip down there. In all the pubs, whacking on Chaz and Dave on, on on every 
Cockney jukebox, of course, you know, typical What a stuff. cliche. I know, because you live down there now. Don't get all high and mighty, calm down. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, it was just it was just a good laugh. And, um, you know, I, I kind of, I'm loath to, to, to sort of describe it as a cup shock. It still kind of pains me to feel that it's a cup shock because I think at the time, pretty sure Brentford were League One. I don't think they were Championship, were they? And I know there's, it's still a, a gap between where we still are and where they were. Obviously, they've, they've gone up a level. But yeah, I just it'd be nice where we can look back and maybe you know another 10, 15, 20 years time and go, oh yeah, I remember that, but it wasn't that much of a big deal compared to where we are now. But yeah, you know, it is what it is. And it was a great day out. Great kit, that, that green Puma kit with a giant, oh, yeah. giant enormous, illegally oversized Green King IPA logo on it. <laughs> um, visible from space, I heard. Yeah, it is visible from space. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I want to say Lee Fowler was in that team, wasn't he? He was, yeah. He was, so he yeah. the cross yeah. in that got headed out. Yeah. He fell to Tolly's feet. To, I don't, to, Tolly won't score a better goal, will he? He absolutely oh, put his legs now. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had, he had that free kick against Lincoln, didn't he? Which was an absolute yeah. belter. But that that volley was something else. It was just the way it just flew off his boot was unreal. Yeah, and I think it's um, again it's testament to to our fan base and 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 goes falls line in line with the whole takeover and, and looking for a club with a, a big fan base. I can't remember how many we took to to Brentford that day, but it was a lot. It was a lot, mm. and you know we always turn up, don't we? We always turn up on mass um, for these days and. And we get our rewards at the end of it. And I, I read somewhere this season that I think Jordan Davis, uh, obviously current Rex and midfielder, was there that day as a fan, as like an eighteen-year-old. I think I read it in an interview earlier this season. So pretty cool to think. Although it's quite depressing to think that that was what nine years ago now. I want to throw an interesting fact there. That was actually the day that we played two games on the same day. Oh yeah. Um, it was. It was. Was it the only season where we were invited into what's it called now? Is it the the Welsh Cup, would it be? It was the FAW Invitational Cup, was it? Potentially? That was it, yeah. Um, and yeah, we, right. I think we all picked the uh, best game out of the two, either way. <laughs> what was the other game? Was it Was it, Was it? it Airbus? Airbus. It was Airbus, Airbus at home. Yeah. Did we win? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I want to say, we, I wanted to say we, we didn't, or we drew or something like that. Yeah, I think we drew. Well, it must have been just the, the under-18s, wasn't it, surely? Yeah, mm. yeah, it was, but it was just a bit bizarre because I remember there was some Wrexham fans when the draw was made, they're like, oh, I'm not going to bother to go to, down to Brentford. Um, but I think they would have regretted that. Oh, big time. It was a hell of a game. But uh, time, good time to move on, I suppose, for our next regular feature, which is History Only Tells a Story, where every week we take a look back through the archives for our favourite Wrexham clips. So last week, uh, Tim nominated a clip of club legend Joey Jones's only goal for Wales out in Tito Grads in 1982, a 25-inch drive, as he described it to Tim. Uh, this week, it's my turn, and I've gone for something a little bit more recent. It, it's a famous day for most Wrexham fans. It was probably the last time the cop was properly full before it was closed in 2008. And of course, 
there was just so much riding on this game. You, you you may have already guessed what I'm talking about. It is, of course, a clip from the relegation scrap decider, really, against Boston. As always, you can check out the clip over on the Fearless in Devotion Twitter page, but let's take a watch of the clip first. Lovely pass there from Jones. Llewellyn in some space. It's Llewellyn! That's the decider, surely! Great finish, that. I love that clip, not just because of the finish, but also the cop, the scenes in the cop. I was there just by the just behind the goals, and it was mad that day. And I think you know, that put goal put us 2-1 up against Boston in May 2007, it was. And the reason it's, it's a bit special for me as well, because I remember it was the week of my 15th birthday and the journey and the ticket was uh, a treat up for me on my birthday week. And we made the four-hour car journey from Swansea, uh, totally unable to relax all the way up through mid-Wales, of course. There was so much riding on the game. It's easy to forget, actually, how much of a great escape uh, that season was because... With about five or six games to go, I think we were in really dire straits, weren't we? I think we um, we were playing two of the top seven teams away, Shrewsbury and Lincoln, and we beat them both. Uh, Michael Proctor, of course, with that famous goal in, uh, in Gay Meadow. Um, but we put ourselves in a decent position then against Boston. We obviously just had to avoid losing, whereas Boston needed to win to stay up. Um, and if you know, I'm sure most people remember, but we went one goal down, uh, one nil down in the first half before Ryan Valentine equalised from the penalty spot. But I think that moment, that Llewellyn goal, was when everyone kind of relaxed a bit because Boston just looked finished and sort of the scenes of jubilation in that clip are just clear to see, aren't they? I mean, the sense of relief when that Llewellyn goal went in. I think it was at the 87th minute. So we just knew that if Boston had managed to to sneak one, we could, we could have been down. There was, I think, probably about 13,000 people in the race course that day. It was baking hot everyone yeah. was bang up for it and this all of course came about because of craig bellamy so How? you mentioned you mentioned michael proctor scoring those vital goals well i think the urban legend is and i'm pretty sure it's true is that craig bellamy near assaulting john anarisa with a golf club away in barcelona <laughs> okay. actually led to that so the story goes that Craig Bellamy decided that his fines should go to Wrexham FC to help them avoid the relegation. And as Rick Parry was quite well connected with the club at that point, I think his his lad was in the uh, was in the youth system. They agreed. We got the money to bring in Anthony Williams on loan and Michael Proctor, and those two really, really changed our season and led to that sort of quite quite dramatic uh, escape from relegation. All to no avail in the end, but, you know, you've got to take it when you can. What do you remember that day, Liam? Um, I'm going to make a shock confession here and say I actually wasn't there that day. Um, I'd recently picked up a Saturday job at Summerfield in Boris. And... <laughs> you had a good reason, then. You had a good reason. It was, it was the most, it was the most, it was one of my, I think that was probably my least favourite job as well. I worked in MVC before that great job went to Summerfield and was packing freezers with no gloves um so I had to listen to the game on a crappy radio in the canteen uh, I've managed to time my my big break pretty much spot on so I did actually get to listen to the goals and stuff and I was relieved 
But yeah, it was it was just a miserable time all round, really. Can I just ask one thing? Do Saturday jobs still exist? Um, yes. They must do, surely. Not now in the in the pandemic, presumably, but I so people are following in your footsteps. Obviously not in Summerfield, because it doesn't <laughs> exist, but no, it's not co-op, nice. co-op bought them, didn't they? Yeah, and Boris's co-op is uh, very nice. Not that we're being sponsored by it, but if they want to chuck any money our way. Yeah, it's yeah. Nice. I've heard Boris Co-op have got a lot of money to chuck at podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like... you, you weren't there either, were you? No, I feel I feel so much better for for telling this tale now. I know Liam's story. Like... Did you have a Saturday job? Too? <laughs> I, <laughs> were you I, working I, in Quick Safe? I was working on Saturday, but not in a massive human freezer in Summerfield. Has to be said. <laughs> I was at. Um, I can't remember the name of the ground. Is it King's Home? But basically, it was it's the home of Gloucester Rugby because um, I used to cover um, Saracens for a newspaper down south. Yeah, King's Home. Yeah, um, so I had to go to that because obviously I was I was involved in the sports reporting game myself then. So there was no way I could get the time off to come back for that game. So I was fuming. I had to go to cover the Saracens game. It was a big Guinness uh, Premiership semi-final clash. Saracens got clobbered 50 points to nine. My mind wasn't on that game at all. Um, I had some sort of link to, to the Wrexham match. I can't remember what it was. Pre-mix of the days, wherever that might have been. Probably just the radio. And then, um, yeah, after, after everything was done there, I, I've never drove, driven so fast on the M5 and M6 in my life to get back, just to feel like some part of it. Even though I was there in spirit, I felt, I just felt like gutted that I wasn't there. It must have been even worse for him being so close nearby and not being able to go. But, you know, different story when I'm whatever, hundreds of miles away. But I got back, legged it, legged it back, pulled over inside the road to speak to BBC Wales to say how happy and overjoyed I was, and then went into town to celebrate with fans later that day. So it's not as if I didn't have my 10 pence worth. Um, it was just a, a very long testing day for so many reasons. I'd love to tell you you didn't miss much, but to be fair, you did because it was phenomenal. Best app, one of the yeah. best app. We talked about Brentford being a good atmosphere. Well, that was the best one at the race course I've missed. I kind of, I've, I've been at. I kind of decided to make amends because obviously it all went to rat shit the following season, and I was like, right, I'm going to go go here and get go there and make sure that we stay up again. Obviously, it didn't mm. work, and I was there. <laughs> I was there at Lincoln for our last ever league game. Mm. Uh, Chris Llewellyn also played again, um, and I think we yeah. won four two at Lincoln. It's a cracking cracking end to our football league days and um, which feel like light years ago to be fair two pile drivers from west baines, west baines if i remember yeah. rightly yeah belting free kicks um i can't remember who got the others but um, i just remember falling asleep on the bus on the way back slightly sozzled everybody got dressed up and the lad sat next to me um on the bus who dressed as batman decided to write various graffiti on my forehead as i slept so that was that was it and I didn't realise that I got in and looked in the mirror. So, yeah, there we go. But the conclusion is that actually Craig Bellamy is responsible for that day, basically. In a roundabout that... way. Yeah. Well, well thanks, actually, Craig, if you're listening. Actually, yeah. uh, can I just say a four iron is probably responsible for, for that day. <laughs> and we have to applaud much. John and Arisa in all of this. Thanks, John, for taking a beating like a man. Yeah. Well, thank you, John. Thanks, Craig. You gave us one more season in the Football League. So thanks for nothing. Yeah. And thanks Boris, <laughs> thanks to a Boris Summerfield for ruining my life.
Time to move on to our next regular feature, um, which is also inspired from the club anthem, of course. It's the Mighty Heroes, where each week we'll nominate one player in each position to be considered for the dream Wrexham eleven of our lifetime. So around the last 30 years or so. And after 11 weeks, then, we'll have our ultimate first team. Last week, we chose... Andy Marriott as our goalkeeper. Uh, we had lots of feedback on that. We've actually had an email in, an email, some, oh. some, uh, some. I know, unbelievable. Email uh, from Adrian. We've got an email address. We've got. I've, I've we emailed have, in. I, I was about to plug it. Oh, he ruined it. Anyway, um, fearlessindevotion at gmail and Adrian is angry that Andy nominated Jocelyn Maybe over Chris Maxwell, who was a local lad, says Adrian, who came through the youth system oh. and was crucial for us in the second playoff season where we lost to Newport in the final. So Andy, yeah, what what were you thinking? How how do you sleep at night? Um, quite well actually, to be honest. It was <laughs> it, it was an either or between between Maxi and my AB. I just went for my AB just because he was a Cameroonian international. We've never had one before. I doubt we're going to have one again. Hopefully, we will have more Welsh internationals. So it was it was a toss of a coin, but I always I always went for the more exotic choice. Can I just say that you don't get bonus points for the player being local? I, I quite like Andy's internationalist approach there. We've also had some more feedback from listeners uh, who wanted to remind us that Wrexham did have players before 1990. We do understand. We, we, we just decided that it would only be really be fair if we'd seen these players play ourselves. And anyway, we will have an honourable mentions category from now on so that Tim can talk us through that once we've picked our right back today. Anyway, Tim seems to have set us up with a 4-4-2 formation on Twitter anyway, so we didn't have much choice in that. <laughs> uh, today we'll be picking our right-backs and uh, we'll each have a maximum of 60 seconds to make our case for this player. Um, who wants to go first? Any any takers? I'll go first. Okay, Andy, uh, you go first. You're going to have 60 seconds maximum to make your case. Uh, I'm going to play a little countdown for you so you're aware. Okay. Um, and on your marks... Get set, go. Oh, is a bit of better pressure on this. So I'm going to go for Mark McGregor, mostly because he was the right back during my spell in the paddock. So I used to sit to the left hand side of the um, of the sort of managers' benches, and that means we have a special relationship between me and Mark. Well, in the first half at least, because I could see him quite close up. When you watch someone closely, you feel close to them, how they move, where they go, how they communicate, and how committed they are to make sure no one gets past them. McGregor was good at all this stuff. He was solid. He was dependable. He also had a thunder bastard of a shot when he really wanted. He was a little, probably a little bit too small to be a centre-half and probably a little bit too slow to be a top-level right-back in the modern age, but that didn't matter. He played 250 games for us for going on to Burnley and Port Vale. And he had a seconds. bloody good career. Basically, everywhere he went, he played. McGregor never let anyone down. But, and this is a big but, he was born in Chester, but that shouldn't count against him. Oh, just outside oh, the time there. Superb. <laughs> okay, um, Liam, why don't you go next? Liam, for you, three, two, one, go. Well, I'm going to go for Curtis Obang. And what is there to say about Curtis Obang other than superb right back, excellent pace, uh, excellent deliveries into the box, pretty decent at defending as well. Also, when we sold him, he earned the club £200,000 at a time when we were financially in dire straits. And uh, I can't really think of a better right-back that we've had since then either. So, Curtis Obeng, he's not from Chester. All hail Curtis Obeng. I've still got 
you got 25 seconds left. You, anything seconds. else to say? Just that I've got something to say now. Just that I thought that was one of our own. So just that, that was just, just that when he when he left, I thought he was the bigger loss than Lee Fowler that season. So all around good guy. I don't know why it didn't work out elsewhere for him, but all hail Curtis Obang. Full stop. There we go. All hail Curtis Obang indeed. Okay, I'll go next. Andy, why don't you count me in? I will. So you can go in three, two, one, go. Okay, so I'm nominating the one, the only, Carlos Edwards. So where to start with Carlos? 166 appearances, not a huge amount of goals, only 23, but who needs goals when you're providing the kind of service that Edwards did? He was slim and leggy, but he always wanted an attack, but he also tracked back and got stuck in too. That, though, was secondary to his mercurial ability on the ball, the speed, the balance, the poise. Brought over by Brian Flynn, of course, along with Hector Sam and Dennis Lawrence in 2000. He played a pivotal role in the team under Flynn and then under Smith. That 0-2-0-3 season where we were promoted to the old Division 2, the club's last promotion, lest we forget, he was unstoppable. He helped give Morel and Trundle the incredible service that they had and he chipped in with 10 goals that season and was named in the PFA Team of the Year that season and in the following season up in League One. Anyway, anyone who watched him play knows this, but what I love about him as well is how much he clearly loves the club. Last month he tweeted, get my boots back on to help my beloved Wrexham. We can dream. You can have everything, but we can dream. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> we can't dream. <laughs> we can't dream. Okay, last up now. So we've had the first three. Uh, Tim, you ready for yours? Ready as I'll ever be. Okay, on your marks, get set, go. Right, I plumped for Barry Jones, again from that era, the Marriott era. I think he was with Wrexham from 1992 to 1998, I think. 195 appearances, a handful of goals. Uh, Liverpool bought him for a £500 donation to Prescott Cables. He came to us. He slotted into the, the, the heart of the defence. And he was just really, really solid. Not massively spectacular. Not your average glamour player. But just very, very about it. You know, wasn't wasn't afraid to shirk a tackle. Just cracked on with his job. I kind of feel like right back to that kind of forgotten position. I don't take a lot of notice about it, if I'm honest. But I think Barry Jones was solid. He was physical. Um, liked to sort of front up. So, yeah, like I said, I just think he, considering the amount of appearances he made in that team, you know, just a really, really solid team. So, I'm going for him. Why not? Let's go with Barry Jones, yeah. Ah, perfectly timed. Can't complain about that. Superb. Um, Okay, so we've had our nominations. Any thoughts on what the others have nominated? Is Carlos a right-back? Oh. Well, well, well. So, are you saying right wing? I'm. Well, I'm saying right wing back is where he really. Well, made of course, but, a, but 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 Tim Tim has I Tim would, screwed us over on this. So. He has a little bit. It is his want, but I would probably say that if he if you're choosing between is he a right back or is he a right midfielder, I would probably say right midfielder. But I don't think he really played there, so. And just, you'd also probably say that there are a few options for right midfielders as, as when we go on to decide that position. I'm going to hmm. let you have it, but I'm not going to be happy about it. Right, okay, fine. I don't care. So, I don't think we should let people bring these rule books out. It just gets uh, very, very contentious. And can I just say that Wikipedia says Akenton, is that his real name? Akenhattan, Carlos Edwards, is a, a right back. So, uh, There we are. If Wikipedia says it, then it's true. Right. I believe um, that is wrong. I um, 
I I I like Ob- I liked Obeng. He was he what you're right. He was a massive loss that season. Probably you know I think we touched on it in last week's podcast. Um, you know he he, he was a huge loss and. I think we lost him in January, didn't we? And I think at the very least, Swansea should have loaned him back. But anyway, let's not let's not get talking about that now. But um, I think compared to Carlos, I think Carlos is that you know you look at the career that he went on to have as well, and in terms of the ability, they're quite similar in in, in lots of ways. But Carlos had that little bit extra in terms of what he offered with goal scoring ability as well. I have to say that Carlos was one of my favourite players growing up. So if I were to lean to anyone else's nomination, that would probably be it. Tim, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I love Carlos because I think in my, I think at that point he was the first player that came into the team that shared my surname. So I was like, yes, great! I'm <laughs> I can have a, I can have a, a, a player's name in the back of my shirt. You didn't want Jake Edwards? I, well, I forget Jake Edwards. I know he's a big deal in MLS now, but you know, let's not go there with Jake Edwards. Um, so yeah, I, Carlos is, is good. Is he a defender? Not for me. What if we just play an ultra attacking team? It's a four four two, but you know, right? We'll play. We'll play a right back at right midfield, and it'll all be fine. Can I? <laughs> let, let's just sum this all up in in one sort of phrase. Who is the only one on that list who's played in a World Cup? Yeah, oh. okay. yeah. It's Barry be... Jones. Barry Jones. Northwest Counties World Cup. Yeah. So for me, it has to be Carlos. He's probably one of the yeah. top five most talented players I've, I've, I've seen at the race course. Great player. Got to be him. Yeah. Are we are we saying Carlos? Is that fair? I think we are. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Go on, okay. Man. Carlos Edwards is our right back. So we're building a night, the nice spine of a team here with Andy Marriott and Carlos Edwards. But Tim, as I say, we've had we've had some. I'm, I'm not going to call them oldies, but people obviously who 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 enjoyed the 70s and 80s and 60s with Wrexham, you know, who who, who listened last week and said that we didn't mention a few people. Do you want to talk us through some honourable mentions that we should have had on the goalkeeping front? Yeah, let's go goalkeepers first. Yeah, I think there's quite a few, isn't there? I'm sure somebody mentioned Brian Lloyd. Um, mm-hmm. so that's going way 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 back. Um, obviously, Maxi Maxwell's been mentioned. Um, I'm trying to think the others off the top of my head now. Somebody mentioned Kevin Dearden, which is a good shout because Kevin Dearden did was a pretty solid keeper for us. It has to be said, um, mm. he's not not your typical sort of outwardly seven footer goalkeeper, but was very very you know uh, what's the best way of putting it dependable. I think dependable. Yeah, that's a good word. Um, I'm trying to think of the others. Die Davis, of course. Die, oh, um, that's a standalone one, but yeah, definitely yeah. die. Rest in peace. Yeah, passed away recently, and uh, obviously a, a giant in the game in Wales, but also obviously holds a special plate up in its place in the hearts of Wrexham fans as well as Swansea City fans. You know, Eddie Nidswicky is another name, yeah. another quite well-known name, which went on to have a good career for Chelsea, and also Mike Hooper played Mike uh, Hooper. played for Wrexham before going to Liverpool. Um, so oh. I don't know how well he was regarded at the time. What about Anthony Williams? Are we uh, saying he has an honourable mention? Oh, Bellamy loves him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what, what about... Joanna Risa hates him. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about right-back, Tim? Anything come to that? Oh, I was, I was, as you very well know, I was having a mare picking a right-back, an absolute nightmare. Um, and I kind, of, I kind of stumbled across the, one of the more recent ones, which was Kevin Roberts. Yes, he who came, well, ex, formerly of Chester and went back there after us. He played about 80-odd games for us over two seasons. I thought he was he was all right. I, I didn't think he was too bad a player. Um, you know, we looked better when he was in the squad um, than not in it. So yeah, I thought Kevin Roberts was worthy of a mention. 
Um, but yeah, you know, ultimately couldn't really trump Barry Jones for my uh, for my suggestion, really. <laughs> Okay, so it's time for our last brief feature uh, where we'll be making our predictions. Brand new this week, Andy, why don't you talk us through this one? Yeah, so very quickly, instead of us sort of rabbiting on about other teams' fullbacks, etc., we'll do predictions. It's going to be pure and simple, but let's make it interesting. We'll do a league. Five points if you get the score dead on, two if you get the result right, nil point if you get it all wrong. I'll keep a tally, and at the end of the season, <clears throat> we'll see who's last. Whoever's last has to do a forfeit. Listeners, you can choose what that is, but it's got to be within oh, reason. No. I mean, oh. I'm not going to rub the local post office or drive a Kia, <laughs> but you could send Liam to the local summer field if you want. <laughs> no Why? good. Why? We're going to call it We Are Here to See Your Glory as we're going to milk every single part of this song. In next week's feature, Fighting Foes in Every Land, we're sending Liam to Afghanistan in a Chester shirt. <laughs> He'll just think it's Blake, and so it'll be fine. <laughs> okay, okay, fine. So predictions. I'll go. I'll go first. Then um, I think it's going to be a tough game. I, I getting six points from the last two games has really helped us. I don't think. Obviously, we try and win every game, but Eastley are a good side. I think it'll be one all. Wrexham one, Eastley one. I'm going to go a little bit more positive. I think. Um, I think he cha- made subs at the right choice, at the right time on uh, today. I think he's rested a few players. I'm going to go for a 2-1 victory. Uh, I think it's probably going to be a very tight game. Um, you know, we've had two games where we've won fairly confidently, uh, but I'm going to go for a 1-0 win to Wrexham. Hmm. Is that arsehole still in goal for Eastley? <laughs> <laughs> I must admit, I'm not au fait with Eastley starting eleven. So. Well, yeah, it's when when they when they stuck the knife into us in that playoff eliminator thing. He was giving it the beat. oh yeah. Um, even though they won, well, we had a goal disallowed shambolically. Um, yeah. I'd love to say five nil just to annoy him because he's an idiot. But unfortunately, I'm going to have to go same as Liam. I'm going to go for a one niler. To us. To us, <laughs> just so, just to be clear. Yeah, no problem. So we'll we'll have the results of that. Um, next week for you. See how we get on. In the meantime, please do email us in at fearlessindevotion at gmail.com and also follow the Twitter page, Fearless in Devotion, where we'll be posting the clips that we talk about during the podcast. Uh, but for now, it's uh, bye from me and it's goodbye from Andy Gilpin. Goodbye. Six points. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> and Liam Randall. Toodle Pip. And Tim Edwards. Take care. Thank you very much. Thanks very much for listening uh, to Fearless in Devotion. See you next week. <laughs>